Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open Heart Podcast with Dr. Terry Mack and me, your co host Louise Rumble. Today, we are talking all things Zane and Gigi, a topic that has hit the press this week with initially no information whatsoever, and then a whole flurry of information around allegations and speculation. Today, we are not going to go into those claims, um, but what we are going to do is look at the psychology of tumultuous relationships, why sometimes we keep them secret, and what to do if you find yourself in this situation, whether it's someone you've just started dating, whether it's someone you've been with for a while, or whether you feel like you're really just in too deep to ever actually leave. We're going to be hitting you with lots of actionable tips and tricks and communication sound bites on how to move forward out of these situations. And we're also going to be discussing whether leopards can actually change their spots. I'm also going to be sharing some of my personal stories, as well as an ex-boyfriend who reappeared last week, who gives us a great case study on all of the things we're going to be talking about. So... Let's get into it. For anyone that doesn't know the background on Zane and Gigi, they have been together on and off for, I think, six plus years. They had a baby together in 2020. He's notoriously been very behind the radar. You know, we don't see much of him since he left One Direction. But there have been suggestions that he is a troubled man, drug abuse being dropped by his label, etc., etc. Recently, there's been a big bust up within the family between Zayn and Yolanda Hadid, which is Gigi's mum. Zayn has since pleaded no contest to the charges. So we know that there has been some level of assault going on, whether that is verbal, physical, I'm not entirely sure. And we're not going to go into that today. But all we know is it's not a healthy situation for them, for the in-laws or for the child. So in episode 10, uh, which is all things Cardi being offset, we started talking about these tumultuous relationships. And Dr. Terry gave us the lowdown on this thing called unconscious traction, which we're going to go into in more detail. Episode 11 with Chloe and Tristan, we went into this further. And then episode 12, Justin and Haley, was the icing on the cake, where we all fully started to understand why people accept these kinds of love. So today, enough of me talking. Dr. Terry, thank you for coming back once again. You are a gem. And the first question that I want to ask you is that for people that haven't listened to those other episodes, which they should because they are gold, what is going on here? Let's just do a quick recap of unconscious attraction, which is just so life-changing when you start to understand it. Yeah, so in those past episodes, we talked about unconscious attraction and how there are two types. So unconscious traction says that even though consciously and logically, we know the kind of partner that we want to end up with, 
somebody kind, somebody successful, whatever these things are that we say, our unconscious, our past experiences, our deep-seated wounds, unmet needs, fears are what actually cause us to be attracted to a partner. And the two types of unconscious attraction are one, that we are attracted to people who reinforce how we feel about ourselves. So if we don't yet know how worthy and beautiful inside and out that we are, we are going to feel attraction and feel a familiar connection with partners who also don't treat us well, don't see our worth and make us feel important. The second type of unconscious attraction says that we choose partners who help us recreate the patterns and templates from childhood. We've talked about everybody plays a different role in the family. We have these different templates for love based on our relationship with our caregivers and watching our parents or other people in relationships that were adults and important to us. And we tend to play out those templates in adulthood. Oftentimes those templates don't really work. We would have to go into, and we're not going to do that today, we'd have to go into Yolanda's relationships and her past marriages to really understand Gigi's unconscious attraction. But what we can probably say is there's something in there that caused her to be attracted to somebody who created a chaotic uh, relationship, somebody who was limited in terms of emotional maturity, stability, and those may be things that she struggles with too. I don't know enough about her, but we recreate relationships based on our histories and the things that we've learned. I love that. And I think anyone that's listened to this series so far, you know, I talk openly about all of the situations that I've been in and I have definitely been in a situation like this with a very um, angry and chaotic man who definitely looking back had substance abuse issues even though it didn't show up in the typical drug addict or alcoholic way that society today thinks you know people think you have to be drinking at work or not basically sat on a park bench with like a paper bag and that is not the case and so I've got so many questions here today and I think my first one is you know I know a lot of it is age and doing the work and becoming aware of your patterns and an element of self-awareness that I certainly didn't have in my 20s. I was probably 24 when I met this man and jumped headfirst into something that today I would like to think I would be like, no, I'm running in the other direction. So for people that perhaps are dating right now and they come across someone like this who maybe is either showing signs of being erratic or substance abuse, maybe raising their voice, maybe even just being slightly controlling about things, what advice would you give in that initial dating stage? Are there certain things that we should be looking out for in the dating stage specifically that are like out of bounds behavior? Yes, absolutely. And we've talked about this in some past episodes, these toxic traits, these red flag behaviors. So I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. But, you know, there are behaviors that are out of bounds. And what I mean by that is they are not behaviors or communication styles that should be tolerated. And if we don't know what they are, then we're likely to put up with them. And sometimes we don't know what out of bounds behaviors are because we haven't had models of healthy relationships 
And we've had some of these out-of-bounds behaviors normalized for us in the relationships we've seen around us, especially with our parents or even in our relationships with our parents. So some out-of-bounds behaviors would be somebody who lies. If you catch somebody in a lie, that is a really bad sign, right? Somebody who you catch cheating, that is an out-of-bounds behavior. Somebody who, when you bring up your feelings to them, they shift the blame to you. That's called blame shifting, or they get defensive. Those are some out-of-bounds behaviors. Now, when you're first dating somebody and some of these things come up, let's say you bring something up, you know, something small, like, hey, you know, you didn't text me in a couple of days and I like it when somebody texts me more often. If the other person gets defensive, Okay, so that's a red flag that they getting defensive would be like, well, well, gosh, you're high maintenance or, you know, that's not a big deal. Or I've been so busy. Don't you understand how busy I've been? In those cases, it's not that you need to cut the person off immediately, but you would say something like, you know, that isn't going to work for me. I'm trying to communicate to you how I feel about something. Communication is really important in any relationship. So I just told you something that bothered me and I didn't like, and you're getting defensive. If you want to be with me, this isn't something that I'm going to be okay with. If they're able to take that feedback and adjust and own it and apologize, and then moving forward, they don't get defensive. I would say, okay, you can continue in that relationship. However, if you set that boundary once and it continues, don't keep engaging in a relationship with them. So in terms of talking about the early dating phase, it's bringing back a red flag that I had in this relationship that we've been talking about that now looking back, I should have just been like, okay, like I'm out, not, not even giving him a second chance, which is that on like the second or third date, I wanted to know what the plan was for the date. You know, that is not unrealistic to know where you're going to meet and at what time and I think I kept asking and he didn't reply and I think then I pushed back slightly and I said this is ridiculous if we're going to hang out I need to know what we're doing and he just replied with the emoji which is the face with the zeds coming out of it as in basically being like zed 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 you're so boring as in I was just asking for a plan right I should have just been like literally I am out of here I'm out. This is not the kind of person that's undermining an objective and reasonable request and actually degrading me as well. And at the time, I hadn't done this work. I wasn't able to see that as a red flag. I just thought, oh, goodness, maybe I came on too strong or anything like that. Now, looking back, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I would have been like, hey, I'm sorry. This isn't going to work for me. Communication is really important for me as well as clarity. And I just can't get this in this situation so I like the idea of just not like cutting it off straight away but you know bringing up and giving them the opportunity to rectify because I do think sometimes we're brought up in a society where we're not really taught how to communicate so maybe sometimes people need a bit of not guiding but just giving them the opportunity to understand how you feel and see what they do with that information is important right Yeah. And essentially you're setting a boundary. You're bringing something up. You're saying, I didn't like that. That didn't feel good. And you're right. You're giving them an opportunity to respond Mm. and you're going to learn a lot about them. When we fail to set boundaries, when we fail to speak up, 
because either we don't know our own worth or we're trying to people please, or we've given away our power. There's multiple reasons we do that. We don't learn this important information about the other person. Do they respect me? Do they want to know how I feel about things? Are they flexible? Do they take me seriously? All really important things, right? Really important. And I think that for anyone listening to this that is in that early dating phase, have the conversation, have the discussion, because it's going to tell you everything you need to know. And I think actually it will save you arguably a lot of stress and heartbreak down the line, right? Yes. And I will say on the other end of the spectrum, there are some out of bounds behaviors that don't need to be talked about. Mm. That when they happen, you should just run in the other direction. <laughs> However, you decide to end it. Things like if you catch them being unfaithful, if you catch them lying to you, if they call you a bad name, if they're disrespectful, if they scream in your face, if they threaten you, of course, if they're physical with you, none of those things should be tolerated. And if you tolerate any of those things, either because you're looking at their potential and not the reality of what they've done, or because they're manipulating you to stay or guilting you to stay, you are demonstrating that they can do those out of bounds behaviors and you will stick around. And so you are signing up for more of that. Yeah. Right. So what about as well, when people make excuses for people now, again, this is a no shame, no judgment zone. I've been there. Like I said, I spent many years with someone that I just made excuse after excuse after excuse for. And we spoke about this a lot in episode 12 with Justin and Haley, that, you know, there's a lot of excuses being made in that relationship. For me, I felt like I, I could see the kind, sweet person on the inside. And if I just stuck around and I just like loved him a bit more, maybe he would not be this angry version or, you know, oh, he's only angry when he drinks or whatever. Looking back, you know, I should have been out straight away. Is that our advice for people in this situation? Just get out, don't make excuses for them. Ultimately, making excuses is actually just a reflection on you just as much as it is on them. Yeah. And again, I'm with you, no judgment. I mean, earlier in my life, I was definitely in relationships I should not have been in. But one of the things that I teach now is stop making excuses for bad behavior. And we do that again out of fear because we feel like we can just love them more. We do it because we're seeing somebody's potential. But the truth is it's very hard for people to change unless they are fully dedicated to it. I mean, I've worked with so many people and I've completely transformed myself as well because I wanted it. And oftentimes when we're with partners who are limited or abusive or childlike, we think we can do the work to get them to change. And it will never happen that way. We're just wasting our time, our energy and our life focused on somebody else. You are so right. And I have something to add here, which just like echoes this point a million times. So I know that we were speaking last week offline about can leopards change their spots. And then later that week, I got a message from this angry ex-boyfriend that we were speaking about in this episode. And, you know, we haven't spoken in years. The last time I spoke, I bumped into him and he was in a relationship and 
He said he punched her cousin, you know, still very angry, fighting, a lot of alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, oh my goodness. And I left thinking, okay, maybe he's going to fuck up that relationship too. And then he will realize, you know, I thought maybe it would be a cumulative effect. Like he fucked up my relationship and really hurt me. And then maybe he would have to learn it from the next one. So didn't think anything of it. Didn't, I haven't even thought about him. He's so irrelevant to my life. Like he's such an idiot. And then he reappeared last week and we got talking very, very briefly. And he basically said, oh, yeah, my girlfriend has broken up with me because I'm still really abusive when I'm drunk. And I have learned to use my voice at this time, right? A lot of my self-development work has been about learning to be vocal and use my voice. I had a very suppressed throat chakra and I had a lot of suppression around speaking my truth. And I said to him, straight up, you know, the way that you treated me during that behavior was absolutely abusive. And the fact that I accepted it is really just actually sad because it showed the kind of love that I was willing to accept. You need to go to therapy. You need to sort your shit out because you are going to just keep hurting people on repeat until you break the cycle. He messaged me like two days later saying, I've organized to go to therapy because of you. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, wow, this is amazing. Then another two days later, it's like midnight and my Instagram chat starts calling because he doesn't have my number like we don't have each other's numbers and I pick up but I do not put my camera on because I do not want to be on camera it's bedtime you know that was my boundary I was like I have no interest in doing this and he got really annoyed that I wouldn't put the camera on and he got really angry and hung up and I just was like I blocked him and I was like you know what this man is exactly the same man that he was six years ago so yeah on that point that has to be the person right they have to commit fully no one else can fix them or love them better exactly and also if you're in a relationship like this understand the cycle because people after they do bad behavior and you call them out on it or threaten to leave then they'll apologize then they'll cry then they'll love bomb then they'll make all these promises but recognize that you're going to have to see results over time, commitment over time. It's really easy to commit to something, but not follow through. And if this is part of the cycle, you know, the cycle of these toxic and abusive relationships is, you know, like the coming together, the love bombing, the apology, everything's great. And then there's the tension building and then there's the bad behavior again, and then it goes back. And so recognize that cycle. And I forget what episode it was that we talked about this, but a lot of these out of bounds behaviors, like lack of empathy, cheating, lying, defensiveness, lack of accountability are often signs of a personality disorder, characterological issues that don't change. You know, like you don't want to take your narcissistic partner into therapy with you because they're never going to change. They're acting. And so the only way, if somebody is really focused on changing, they will find the therapist, they will go and do the work and you will see them starting to be accountable and change their behavior. But it's not going to be something that happens within a week or two. Oh, and it's likely it's so not going to happen, right? It's, I just want you to know that if these are characterological issues, they're not going to change. Yeah, you're so right. I look back at him now and I'm, he's a straight up narcissist. And I just had no idea at the time 
every single one of those traits, bar the infidelity, which he probably did as well, I just wasn't aware of it. Every single one of those traits he had. And six years later, every single one of those traits he still has. He, yeah, you are so right. So for people that are in this relationship, they're experiencing this behavior. Maybe they're making excuses. Maybe they feel like they can't leave. I think there's something interesting to talk about here, which is the element of the silence, you know, the way that we let them get away with this behavior, but we keep it silent. And I am coming to this discussion with having done that for so many years. I mean, this boyfriend did the most awful things to me, emotionally, physically, just awful. And I never, ever, ever, ever to this day really have told anyone that the full extent, you know, I can now say that he did these things that were physical and he did all of these things that were emotional, but I kept so much of it hidden. So what is going on there? Let's talk through the silence of why we silence these out of bounds behavior and what to do when we kind of find that we're doing that. I think one of the biggest reasons we are not honest about what's happening in the relationship with other people and often with ourselves is denial, right? If we are still in that unhealthy place where we feel like this is what love is, or we can't think about the relationship ending, we couldn't bear to lose them. If we feel like we can save them, then we excuse their bad behavior. We make excuses for it internally, and we don't share the truth of what's happening to ourselves or with people around us. So the first reason is really denial, because if we were honest about what was happening, there would be this dissonance in us, cognitive dissonance, where it's like one part of us knows this is not okay. I don't want to live like this. I deserve better. And that's this other part of us that's like, but I don't want to leave. I don't want to be without this person. So we go into denial and we make excuses and we keep quiet. And I think another part is, you know, there is embarrassment and there's shame at what is happening and that we are allowing it to happen. And so we keep quiet about that because we know deep down that if we let our friends and family know the ways that this person is speaking to us, treating us, controlling us, disrespecting our boundaries, guilting us, blaming us, talking to us and talking about us, that they would not be supportive of this relationship and they would not like this person. And we are not ready to leave the relationship. We don't want other people to be ahead of us that we don't want them to know the truth because then we feel like we have to make a decision. We have to leave when we're not ready to leave. Yeah, you're so right. All of my friends and family did not like this boyfriend. And I just knew that if I told them the truth, it would be like, there was no other option for me to leave. Because the second you say to someone like, oh, he put his hands around my neck or, oh, he called me X, Y, Z, they wouldn't let you ever see that person again. But I wasn't ready for that. So it was like, I just made excuses, made excuses. And I think over time, you know, it just became too much. And I think we discussed this in a previous episode as well. I just, I just realized one day, if I stay with this man, he's going to be the father of my children. And I do not want to bring a child into the world with this erratic, abusive man as their father. And I guess that brings me to my next question. So we've kind of looked at this today on a sliding scale of when you first meet them, when they first start showing red flags, when you're dating them, 
through to being in that relationship with them, maybe not leaving when you should, and then things keep going and going and going, hiding it from your family. On the other end of that spectrum are, I guess, the people that feel like they really can't leave, you know, perhaps more of like the Zane and Gigi, you have a child with someone, you're married to someone, you know, perhaps you just feel like you're in too deep with all the families and the kids and whatever else comes on that end of the spectrum when you feel like you can't leave. So for those sorts of people, should we just chat a little bit about how difficult it must be to have brought a child into the world with someone like this and then maybe see what they're really like or they show up in different ways when the child's born and how they should leave those kinds of situations and whether really you know people say you should stay together for the kids and whether that is true or not what are your thoughts on that yeah well first I just want to say you mentioned people that feel like they can't leave and I think even further along that spectrum are people that fear for their life if they leave a relationship. And we're not talking about that today, but I did just want to say that there are situations like that and there are resources for people like that where it may actually be dangerous for somebody to leave. And so I encourage somebody to reach out to a professional to talk and make a plan in that case. In the case that we're speaking about where, you know, either they're married or they've brought children into the world, oftentimes people feel trapped in a relationship. And the truth is we are never trapped. People feel like it's best to stay in this relationship for stability and for the children. But in reality, the best thing for a child is happy and stable parents. And if both parents can't be happy and stable, at least one of them should be. And when the parents are engaged in a toxic relationship, a chaotic, a dysfunctional relationship, that has a direct impact on the child. I've worked with so many people that say, well, they don't know. They don't know what's going on. Trust me, kids feel it because even if you're not fighting in front of the children, it's energetic, it's emotional. All of that energy of the household is impacting the kid and neither parent is in alignment. Their nervous systems are not regulated. There's no safety that, you know, there's not all these really important ingredients that you need in in an emotionally safe relationship. And we've talked before that one of the, the most important characteristics of a healthy relationship is that it is a safe container. There is trust. You can relax. You know, your partner will honor you, will honor the relationship. There will not be angry outbursts that are scary or threatening. Both people can regulate themselves. So you need to bring yourself into alignment. And a relationship like this is just going to mess with your alignment. Right. So I don't think the fact that Gigi and Zane have a child together would be a reason for them to stay together. If anything, Gigi needs to go and heal and get herself back to a centered place and probably, you know, heal from this relationship. That's going to be the best thing for their child. Yeah. Super interesting. I think we've also heard that he said that this whole issue arose because he wants to protect the daughter's privacy. And, you know, really feels something that he's passionate about. And I just found myself thinking, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to perhaps have that passion for yourself as well? I don't know if he's even looking to protect himself or care about himself. Mm. He now understands what that can be like for a child, but I don't know if he's 
doing that inwards. And just before we wrap up, I want to pick up on one thing you said and bring a slightly nuanced point to the table, which some people will think is a little bit weird. But just picking up on what you said about how children pick things up. Okay, so I've been working with alongside a normal therapist. I've also been working with a subconscious therapist, which goes into our deep subconscious and cellular imprints and stuff like that. Through that process, I've learned a lot about how actually our nervous systems get laid when we're in the womb, which I know we've spoken about before, and episodes of high stress and episodes of high anything really can impact the way the development of the baby. And this man in one of the sessions basically said to me that even when I was conceived, this is where we get a little bit outside of the box for some people, even when I was conceived, I was conceived in an energy of terror from my father and I didn't really understand what that meant. And he said, it's, it's impacted the way that your nervous system has been laid. It's quite, it's quite fragile. And then I went away and I spoke to my mom and everything made sense when she said, oh, we had a miscarriage with our first child. So when you were conceived, you know, your dad was really, really upset by the whole situation. Mm. And so you're right. This can impact us physically emotionally energetically on so many levels like even before we are born and then all the way through our development when the poor kid is in the next room and the parents don't think they can hear or you know people pick up on energy right so I just wanted to say that hit a nerve with me and I think it's something that a lot of people don't understand today you know we swear around these kids and we talk about things and we think they don't take on what we're talking about and the energetics of what's going on so, yeah that was a little bit outside the box, but definitely something that I feel really passionate that we can share with others that, you know, yeah, we've got to create a safe space for everyone, you, your relationship, and also the child before yeah. they're born and after. And you can break generational cycles, right, of passed down trauma. And I also just want to make the note, because when we were talking about out-of-bound behaviors, we didn't specifically talk about anger, but it is every person's responsibility to be able to manage their own emotional reactions. So mm-hmm. anger, outbursts of anger, where somebody gets scary or is not in control, who does things or says things that they wouldn't normally say is not something that you should tolerate. And it's not something you can help somebody heal. So do not put up with that early on in dating and you know, don't tolerate it. Even if you've been with somebody a long time, because you're enabling that behavior. And maybe it was modeled for you that, you know, people have bad tempers and they do things that they don't mean when they're angry, but that's not a safe container. It's not a safe environment for you or any children you might bring into it. And you deserve better than that. Totally. And with full transparency, I can say that I've been on both sides of that anger. Like I've spoken on this podcast before about how I had a pretty bad temper before I started going to therapy, definitely been the one that has exploded and not been able to manage that. And then that mixed with an anxious attachment style, you know, if you're fighting and then someone leaves, I historically would just lose my head and it would just be a nightmare. And I've also been with the angry person too. So I've been on both sides of it. And I guess that's where we can conclude today is to say, no one can break those cycles but you. It was only when 
I finally realized, you know, I didn't really argue that much with my last ex because I think I'd already started on this journey, but there were one or two moments where I just lost it totally. And he was the first person that ever said to me, this behavior is totally unacceptable. I will not tolerate this if you do it again. And it was the first person in the history of my life. You know, I had a lot of relationships where they were so calm and non-triggering that it didn't trigger the temper. That I kind of thought like, oh, when it does get triggered, it's someone else's fault. But in this relationship, I realized this is my problem. I have learned this and I have condoned it for 30 years of my life. I am the only one that can break it. So I guess let's wrap up there. And I think if anyone themselves is experiencing anger, let's split the let's split the switch. Say you're feeling very angry. Have we got any like final tips in terms of what to do when that anger is boiling? Obviously, dealing with it in therapy is great because there's always something that's driving the anger. We always refer to it as the iceberg, or I do at least. It's like the anger is the bit you see on the top and there's stuff below. But when you feel that boiling, what's our words of wisdom for someone here? Don't try to communicate when you're triggered like Mm -hmm. that and you're feeling really big emotion. Calm yourself down. If you're not good at self-soothing, you need to start practicing because Anytime we're trying to communicate when we're in a highly emotional state, we are not going to be speaking in a way where somebody can actually listen. We are not going to be very logical and we're not connected to our true self. So it's our job, just like I was saying, it's everybody's job to regulate their nervous system, to regulate their emotions. And the better we get at doing that for ourselves, the more we will attract and be attracted to regulated partners, right? When we are chaotic, we attract chaos. Mm. When we are unavailable, we attract unavailable. It looks different, but it's the same. So when we become regulated and more mature, emotionally more grown up, we will no longer be attracted to the chaotic relationships, the dysregulation in communication, and we will attract more mature relationships and people. You are amazing. You are a national treasure. I swear. Every episode, I'm just like, oh, damn, we need more people to listen to this because you have so many gems of wisdom there. Hopefully so many light bulb moments for everyone that is listening. So thank you as ever for your time. And everyone else that's listening, be sure to head over to thisisopenhouse.com, sign up to the mailing list so you will be the first to know about some very exciting content that Dr. Terry and I will be dropping in the next few weeks and months. It's big and it's exciting. We can't wait to share it with you. And if you haven't already, be sure to head back to the previous podcast episodes on Apple and Spotify. There's a lot of information in these episodes sometimes we actually think maybe we're giving away too much information and it's too much for people but feedback is always phenomenal so if you have any please let us know directly and if you would like to subscribe to the podcast and also share and review that would be amazing so a big thank you from us and we will see you next week bye terry Hello, I'm Mark. And I'm Bethan. And we're the hosts of Seeing Red. We deliver intriguing, terrifying and dumbfounding true crime stories each and every week. 
With a focus on cases from the UK, we do occasionally venture overseas. We've covered everything from the mysterious death of professional footballer Emiliano Sala to the attempted murder of Victoria Sillias, a woman who fell from the sky and lived to tell the tale. Binge our bulging back catalogue and join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red.